0: Hello, I'm Dr. Laura Williams, and you're listening to Know Your Own Psychology. After many years building a successful career as a psychologist, I finally realised that it didn't reflect the autonomy and freedom I wanted in both my life and work. As I made plans to begin working for myself, my husband died suddenly, and my whole world fell apart. But with a young family to look after, and big dreams I did not want to give up on, I took some time, and in the middle of the global pandemic... I left my old life behind today i'm a private psychologist digital course creator mum to five and best-selling author my mission is to simplify psychological ideas so that you can know your own psychology influence all the areas of your life and achieve more meaning freedom and purpose are you ready to be empowered this is know your own psychology the podcast Welcome back to episode 13 of Know Your Own Psychology, the podcast. So, those of you out there who listen regularly might have noticed I've taken a bit of a break from the podcast for the last few weeks. And yeah, ultimately, it's been because I'm sure, like many of you, I got a little bit swamped in the run up to Christmas and trying to do all the things. And I also record and do all the editing for the podcast myself. So, in the end, I decided that I had to prioritise my one-to-one therapy clients, my online course members and the content they were waiting for, and I also just wanted to show myself some compassion and kindness and try to let some things go. But I've really missed it, I I really have, and so I wanted to do an end-of-year review podcast talk about a few topics which I'll share with you in a minute and also tell you a bit about what's coming next in 2023. And stay tuned to the end part of the podcast because I offer some questions for you to reflect on your 2022 and ask yourself about what you want more of in 2023. So today I will be talking to you about kindness, visibility and negativity bias and why New Year's resolutions rarely ever last. So some juicy topics in there and I hope it resonates with you. So let's start on the subject of kindness. It's of course, you know, at this time of year, the season of goodwill. And so it did feel fitting to have this as a topic. And kindness, I think, is something that we promote often to our children, to our colleagues and friends and family and those around us, that it's important to be kind to others. And in recent years, it has become a bit of a hot topic, I think, in terms of self-compassion and how we can not just show kindness to others, but how we can show kindness to ourselves. But it's not always as easy to do. And I've been reading a book by Dr. David Hamilton on the five side effects of kindness. And it's been truly fascinating to learn more and understand the positive impact on kindness. Um, when you're doing a psychology degree, you talk a lot about altruism and what it means to be kind without necessarily other people knowing that you have been kind. But yeah, it's just been really interesting to hear a little bit bit about it. And by the way, I would absolutely love to have David on the podcast. So if anyone happens to know him (laughs) and could have a word in his ear, I'd be so grateful. But his book essentially highlights how being kind can alter the brain, how it can lower our blood pressure, reduce depression and slow aging. And I thoroughly recommend his book. If you're interested, I'll um, put it into the show notes for today's episode, so you'll be able to find a link for that there. Now, compassion is an approach that we often take in psychology, actually. And compassion-focused therapy, or CFT, developed by Dr Paul Gilbert, who, like me, is also a clinical psychologist, is a therapy which helps us think about how our evolved brains... That now have the capacity for things like reasoning, reflection, and mentalizing can actually be problematic for the most more basic structures of our brain, which are more easily triggered into what I would sort of talk about as more destructive behaviours. And in CFT they talk about mental health difficulties um, as tricky brain. Now, if anyone's interested to read more on CFT, um, I would recommend Reading Compassionate Mind by Paul Gilbert. He's an absolutely fascinating um, clinician, and I actually got to meet him once when he came to the NHS service I was working in as a trainee psychologist, and he gave a presentation on his work then, and I remember it having a really um, big impact on me and how I thought about... um, you know compassion and and what that looked like within ther- therapy itself and book recommendations done i mean i really believe that in order to function well psychologically we absolutely need to develop a level of compassion for self often when people turn up to therapy it's one of the things that's so apparent is that people have just lost compassion for themselves they're constantly berating themselves for things and so people can find it really difficult to do this and every week I'm talking to clients who are holding themselves to exacting standards or not allowing themselves to make mistakes or just to simply see themselves as they actually are which is a human being doing the best that they can under the circumstances that they find themselves in and you know, I think it's important to, to think about those things, but what I see even more often, actually, is how we can so easily get caught up in anger and frustration with others. You know, we often question people's motivations and can get quite stuck in what I would term an emotionally dysregulated state around our beliefs about others and you know, whether our assumptions are true or not. And that's where I think we need to consider what that actually does to us, to our physical health, to our mental health. Because, you know, as we've already mentioned about Dr. David Hamilton's book, where he outlines the research on this, if we know that kindness alters brain chemistry, lowers our blood pressure, reduces depression and slows ageing, imagine what sitting for long periods of time in this less desirable, emotionally dysregulated, angry state could do by contrast. And so, yeah, I just wanted to talk a little bit about that today and have people think about that and not just think about, you know, goodwill, but what kindness can actually do for us. And don't you think as well that kindness kind of gets a bit of a reputation of being weak, you know, that kind people are weak and I really don't see it like that. Because let me ask you this, how easy would you find it to be kind in response to someone who's angry with you, to show compassion and humility to them? Not necessarily easy, right? And in these circumstances, it's often much more likely that we would respond in a similar way, mirroring the other person's emotional state than to offer kindness back in response. And so for me, there is strength to showing kindness to others, even in the face of their contempt or their anger or frustration. And the other thing about kindness that, you know, I think we often forget is it brings you peace. And I think, you know, when I consider most of my clients, they definitely want more of that. Now, to segue into visibility with some of what we've just spoken about regarding kindness, I'm going to talk about the Meghan and Harry documentary on Netflix. Have any of you been watching it? I've been pretty glued, I have to admit, from a psychological standpoint, trying to sort of understand where they're coming from, understand a bit about, you know, what's going on from their perspective. And I've followed William and Harry's life, like many of us, through the media. And obviously the death of their mother and how they've coped and responded afterwards took on, I guess, new significance for me after my own kids lost their dad suddenly. And for those of you who have been following things, last week Jeremy Clarkson made some comments in response to the documentary and on Megan in particular. Now, I'm not going to repeat those comments here, but I found his comments pretty appalling actually and decided to tweet my view on them. Now I should preface this by saying um, I rarely tweet and actually my last tweet before this one was over a year before um, when I tweeted about my grief journal um, being self-published. But this tweet that I sent out last week was retweeted around 150 times. Liked by about 700 people and reached nearly 60,000 people. And look, I mean, that's modest by Twitter standards, Julie. You know, people get far more sort of impact than that one tweet did. But what was fascinating to me was, despite the likes and the overall support of my view that I'd put out there, what did I choose to focus on? Yep, you've nailed it. I chose to focus on... The one or two comments where people responded really negatively to what I had said and I bring this up not just to you know talk about things that are topical in terms of Meghan and Harry but um, to, to bring this back to a psychological concept of negativity bias which is where we give far more weight to negative things that are said about us and filter out all the positive aspects of things and the thing about negativity bias is that it's even more powerful when the negative comment also aligns with a core belief that we might hold our, hold about ourselves. Um, that's a topic actually that I'm covering and had covered just last week with my um, Know Your Own Psychology online course members. And if you're interested in learning more about that, um, stay tuned in the new year Either for the course itself, or I'm going to be putting together an ebook that you can buy in, in terms of core beliefs and, and how those impact people. But what was even more interesting than all of that was moving back to kindness, was that the absolute opposite of kindness that that brought out in some people towards me. So let me give you an example. So, one person who saw my tweet actually retweeted it and said in their comments to me, tell me you're a terrible psychologist with no sense of humour without telling me you're a terrible psychologist with no sense of humour. Ugh, and I I mean, come on, right? This person knew nothing about me, my experience, nor what type of psychologist I was or person. Now, did this make me inclined to be kind to that person? Well, no, not really. But I took the position of not responding to this person's anger because what I realised, and you know, I'm sure if you think about these circumstances when they arise in your own lives, it wasn't really about me. And to take that one step further, it's often the case that people's anger towards us is not about you at all. And I think we miss that sometimes and we take on responsibility for other people's emotions. And I actually was really um, pleased with how I sort of dealt with that because, you know, it's not a particularly nice comment and it's all over Twitter. And as someone who's not used to tweeting and not used to having that level of sort of um, people um, retweeting and, and all that kind of thing, it did feel quite exposing and visible And I guess it would have been so easy for me to get into a back and forward negative exchange, but that would have ultimately led to me feeling worse. So instead, I took the approach of not responding because I kind of knew that that was a more self-compassionate way to deal with it than getting into some kind of negotiation about who I am as a person or what my motivations are with a complete stranger on the internet. And the other thing is if I am susceptible and fear what other people think there's always going to be someone with a negative view that would make me want to hide or shy away or not put my work out there or tweet about what I believe about things and my life and my goals are more important than that. Okay in the last part of the podcast I'm going to offer some questions to help me reflect on kindness and self-compassion, visibility and playing small. But before I do, the last topic I wanted to speak on today was New Year's resolutions and why they rarely last past the end of January. Now, every year I post about this and it's just lovely this year that I've got a podcast that I can talk, talk about it on as opposed to posting on social media. But every year I get frustrated seeing so much messaging around New Year's resolutions and what are you, you know, all all that kind of stuff, what goals are you setting for the new year and I don't get frustrated because I think it's a terrible idea to look ahead and set some goals and intentions. The problem for me arises firstly in how we set these goals and secondly what we set them on. So often when we set goals I see people talking about stretch goals a lot. These are like the really big ones and I often think that stretch goals for most people actually translate to a goal that's not actually achievable for me and not only are these goals too big I think these goals also pose a mindset issue and that people don't actually believe that they can do it. So I bring it up because I want you to think about that for yourself and if you are goal setting or thinking about what you're doing in the new year please make them SMART goals. And you can google that but essentially SMART goals are ones that are specific, measurable, achievable, relevant and timely. And as a clinical psychologist I set goals with people all the time, goals for treatment specifically. And I ensure that people are offered the chance in the goals that they set within their therapy at both success and mastery. And if we set goals that are too big, we just don't achieve either of those things. And then what happens, and this is crucial, is that we have actually just reinforced that, oh, actually, okay, I'm not very really good at reaching my goals. And what that then does is make it much more likely that we simply stop trying. So top tip, just make your goals smaller over a shorter space of time and make them smart. Now the second thing for me is what we set goals on and I'm not going to talk at length about this but often and especially with New Year's resolutions we make them from a place of dissatisfaction and particularly at this time of year it seems to be all about our bodies, weight goals, fitness goals, how we want to look and I would just love for you to instead pay attention to your language and focus on what you want more of rather than what you're dissatisfied with. You know, just think about what am I grateful for from 2022 and how can I build on that? Okay, so here's the reflective part. I would love for you to take five minutes, grab a notebook and a pen or your journal, and if you need to, hit pause and come back to this. And when you do, I would love for you to ask yourself these five questions as you bring your 2022 to a close. Okay, you ready? Question number one. How kind have you been to yourself and others in 2022? Question number two. Do you recognize negativity bias in yourself? number three how can you develop self-compassion in 2023 to overcome that tricky brain that we spoke about in relation to compassion focused therapy question number four where have you been holding back playing small and limiting your visibility out of fear and question number five what do you want more of in 2023 and what would make it a great year. I would love to hear what resonated with you in this episode. Thank you, thank you, thank you to all of you who have supported me in 2022. I am so grateful. 2023 will be the year when I get to work with even more of you to make a psychological education more accessible. So stay tuned. I cannot wait. Thanks for listening to this episode of Know Your Own Psychology. If you loved it, please share it on Facebook or Instagram for your friends and family. And if you really want to help me out, drop a review on Apple Podcasts. If you have any questions you can email me hello at and if you would like to know your own psychology better, influence all the areas of your life and achieve more meaning, freedom and purpose, come and join my growing community over on Facebook. Search Know Your Own Psychology and make a request.